1: Welcome to the weekend edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Saturday to you and yours. Great week of shows. Uh, let's recap the fire starters. Uh, Monday, I started out talking about my quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, interviewed with uh, Joe Rogan, and Aaron Rodgers has revealed himself to be the most dangerous and most important man in professional sports, maybe the most dangerous man in professional sports since Muhammad Ali. Here's my take. Aaron Rodgers is the most dangerous and important man in professional sports. The Green Bay quarterback and reigning NFL MVP can articulate American professional sports league's greed-driven betrayal of their athletes. So far, Most athletes believe the only consequence of American sports bowing to the CCP is a fattened bank account. Young, poorly educated, and dependent on social media algorithms for guidance, modern athletes fail to recognize the danger of globalism and abandonment of traditional American values. Aaron Rodgers is no longer young. specks of gray highlight his mane. Intellectual curiosity compels him to seek information beyond what Twitter and Facebook approve. He engages with the disruptive. He flirts with cancellation. On Saturday, during a three-hour interview, uh, podcaster Joe Rogan played the role of Morpheus and offered Rogers the red pill and the blue pill. Rogers channeled Neo and joined the rebellion. The Matrix, competitive COVID propaganda. That's what we witnessed Saturday. In his discussion with Rogan, Rodgers began the process of unpacking the COVID duplicity the NFL unleashed on its players and employees at the behest of Big Pharma. Take a listen.
2: And then we're gonna virtue signal to say, look how righteous our league is. We have 95% compliance. Yes. With the vaccine. Compliance. And if you don't, we're gonna send a, stoo- a stooge to your team to show you graphs of your vaccination percentage of your team compared to the rest of the league, which actually happened. Really? Yeah. What was the stooge like? Oh, I mopped the floor with him. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. See, again, that's why people are like no one knew your vaccination status. You lied to your teammates. No, no, no. Day three of training camp, they sent this stooge in, and and he showed these slides about what your vaccination percentage was in your team, where you compared to the rest of the league, and I started asking him questions about liability. Oh, I'm not a lawyer. Okay, cool. But you're in here talking about all these different things and you don't talk about anybody's personal health issues. There's zero exemptions. You took out religious exemptions. You took You took out uh, PEG exemptions. You took out anybody's ability to have uh, an opinion. Uh, I don't want to do this. That's my quarterback.
1: I freaking love Aaron Rodgers. I have not always loved Aaron Rodgers, but I'm sorry. I am team Aaron Rodgers a thousand percent. This guy has a pair. He is very, very dangerous for the NFL and corporate media. They don't like him. I love him. It's unfair to totally single out the NFL. The entire sports world joined the competitive COVID propaganda movement the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NCAA, they were no better than the NFL. They all bowed to the CCP and the globalist agenda. All the leagues applied as much pressure as possible for young, perfectly healthy athletes to bend over and take an experimental medical trial that does not prevent COVID or its spread. Worse, it's a rushed medical trial that we do not know the full scope of its side effects. In terms of betrayal and damage to trust, this is far worse than the NFL's alleged dishonesty about concussions. CTE is junk science propagated by the anti-football movement. Even the Washington Post has attacked the alleged discoverer of CTE, Bennett Amula, the doctor celebrating the Will Smith-fronted concussion movie. We're living through an information and propaganda war. Aaron Rodgers is the highest profile influencer to join the rebellion. He could wake up his athletic peers to the fact they're being used against their own best interests and the best interest of America. Rodgers might be the most dangerous athlete since Muhammad Ali changed the approved narrative on the Vietnam War. The NFL's media partners will denigrate Rodgers for consenting to an interview with Rogan and discussing the illogical COVID protocols that define professional sports last year. NBC's Mike Florio, the founder of ProFootballTalk.com. The complained that Rodgers dredged up a dead issue. Florio and many other media outlets focused on Rodgers admitting that He misled the media a year ago about his vaccination status when he used the word immunized. That's not the story. Pro sports leagues misleading their employees at the behest of pharmaceutical companies and the vaccine crazy Biden administration is the real story. Big Pharma controls television and the sports leagues. That's what's driving competitive COVID propaganda. Remember five years ago when Papa John's Pizza was the NFL's most visible advertiser? John Snyder is an all-American success story. He grew up in small town Indiana. He started a pizza parlor in the closet of his dad's bar. He became a pizza billionaire. He and Peyton Manning promoted Papa John's Pizza during commercial breaks of NFL games. John Snyder has traditional American values. His brand fit the old NFL. The new NFL pivoted to a globalist agenda. The new NFL, like all of television, surrendered to Big farmers' advertising thirst. So out goes Papa John, in comes Pfizer, in comes Big Pharma, in comes Moderna, in comes all of the uh, drug pushers. In America, the biggest dope dealers in the world took control of American TV and professional athletics and professional sports on TV because all professional sports are is a television show. Big Pharma has pills and vaccines to sell on TV. Big Pharma cut a deal with the Trump led government to develop vaccines free of any liability for their side effects. The NFL, the NBA, the NHL and MLB all hopped on the Big Pharma Gravy Train. The athletes were treated as lab rats and guinea pigs. Aaron Rodgers knows this. More importantly, he can articulately explain this. Pro sports leagues don't want this explained, so their media partners will will be very reluctant to address Rodgers' interview with Joe Rogan. They'll pretend no one cares. The truth is, Competitive COVID propaganda has inflicted irrevocable damage on the thin and fading trust between athletes and ownership. As the risks of the vaccines become more and more clear, athletes will realize ownership offered them up as pawns in a globalist game. So did their unions. All of their unions agreed to the, to the draconian COVID protocols. The NFL and the NBA had the most punitive rules because their unions are the weakest and have the worst leadership. Here's hoping Aaron Rodgers doesn't stop with his Joe Rogan interview. He needs to stay on this topic. Here's hoping Rodgers inspired other athletes to stand as men and support guys like Novak Djokovic, the world's top tennis player who is being prevented from playing in the US Open because he won't take the vaccine. Moderna is one of the primary sponsors of the tournament we all must reject the rulership of the Chinese Communist Party and all of its big pharma backed COVID variants Mm. love talking about Aaron Rodgers and you know I love to diss LeBron James, Stephen A. Smith and Ben Crump and I did it on Tuesday these guys spent their whole Monday talking about Uh, BYU and Rachel Richardson and racial discrimination at BYU. None of them had a word to say about Mike Hickman getting murdered at a peewee football game in front of his nine-year-old son and wife, but they got all kinds of things to say about Rachel Richardson and whether BYU fans taunted her with racial slurs that no one can prove. Anyway, I went off about it. Over the weekend... The racial grievance industrial complex turned out its latest too good to be immediately believed victim of systemic and unapologetic white supremacy. Rachel Richardson, a 19-year-old volleyball player and student at Duke, is the next woman up in an assembly line that has a nasty habit of producing Justice Smollett and Bubba Wallace lemons. According to media racial grievance engineers, Richardson and her teammates endured match-long racial taunts while competing against Brigham Young University in Utah. High-profile racial grievance reviewers, such as LeBron James, Stephen A. Smith, and Ben Crump, scored Richardson's tail 100% fresh. James tweeted words of encouragement. Smith, on his ESPN TV show, conducted a long discussion about Richardson's plight. Crump, of course, sent a social media bat signal to Richardson's family that he would be more than happy to coordinate a financial shakedown of BYU and Duke, if if there's a chance of that. Uh, BYU administrators quickly groveled for forgiveness. The school's athletics director issued an apology, met with Richardson privately, and banned an unnamed male fan from attending BYU sporting events. For many, That's the end of the story. Racism has been identified and publicly rebuked. For others, it's just the beginning. I'm part of the latter group. This story is just too neat. It makes no sense. A YouTuber named Aiden Kearney pieced together some of the holes in this story. He published a long story on his blog questioning the narrative. It's worth reading. I suggest you do. What I found most interesting in the story is the role of a business called A Long Talk. It's an anti-racism counseling business that launched in Washington DC two months after the death of St. George Floyd in Minneapolis. For a fee, A Long Talk team member will visit your school of business and teach people how to be anti-racist. Just days before Rachel Richardson endured racial taunts at BYU, A Long Talk team member counseled the Duke volleyball team on unpacking your truth, finding your voice and activating your activism. According to a longtalk.com, unpacking your truth means I will be able to make connections between our shared American history and our current reality. Finding your voice means, I will be able to use the CPR protocol to challenge racist comments and beliefs. Activating your activism means, I will understand the reality that creating a counterculture of anti-racism can only happen through collective, consistent, and courageous acts of identifying and interrupting racism. Let me translate these corporate word salads. A long talk teaches black people how to argue and monetize the belief that everything happens in America today is directly related to the slavery that ended 160 years ago. A long talk teaches you how to hustle. Rachel Richardson is a quick study. In her racial grievance acceptance statement, she thanked the organization for schooling her, writing quote over Twitter. Uh, My team and I were fortunate enough to go through a long talk which is an educational series on the roots of racism and how to be an activist in not just dealing with racism, but preventing and ending it. This helped to equip us to deal with the situation in a mature manner, rather than to react in a retaliatory manner. The entire match between BYU and Duke was televised. You can watch it on YouTube. BYU is nationally ranked. There were nearly 6,000 spectators at the match. Despite enduring two hours of verbal abuse, Richardson and her teammates never reacted. Richardson had an explanation. She wrote in her statement, although the heckling eventually took a mental toll on me, I refused to allow it to stop me from doing what I love to do and what I came to BYU to do, which was to play volleyball i refuse refused to allow those racist bigots to feel any degree of satisfaction from thinking their comments had gotten to me. So I pushed through and finished the game. How uplifting, how inspiring. Aiden Kearney's story showed pictures of black BYU basketball players at the volleyball match cheering right next to the student section where the alleged racist was supposed to be endlessly shouting racial slurs. I've attended a lot of sporting events in my career as a sports journalist. Someone shouting repeated racial slurs would stand out. The only time it goes ignored is when it's a group of young black people calling each other the N-word. If the Duke players truly felt unsafe because of the harassment, I blame the Duke coaches for not immediately addressing the situation. This smells like an exaggeration or a hoax. Richardson's godmother, Lessa Pamplin, a Democrat politician in Texas, ignited much of this controversy. From her home in Texas, Pamplin tweeted that her goddaughter had been called a nigger every time she served, and that a white male threatened her. According to Kearney's research, Pamplin has a very sordid history of making racist comments on Twitter. Pamplin has now made her Twitter feed private. None of this story makes sense. Richardson blamed the BYU staff for failing to swiftly protect her and her black teammates. Again, what about the Duke coaches? Richardson met privately with BYU's athletics director. Richardson's father publicly complained that the BYU volleyball coach didn't meet with Richardson. How is the BYU coach responsible for the behavior of a fan? Why are people who ignored the on-field murder of a peewee football coach in Dallas all finding their voice to speak out on behalf of a volleyball player who was taunted in Utah? Take a listen to uh, Stephen A. Smith. He's found his voice on Rachel Richardson.
0: I'm not trying to put a blemish on BYU. I'm saying, BYU, you did it by allowing this to happen and not addressing it expeditiously. Yeah. Not addressing it with the level of of, of of quickness and speed that you should have addressed it with. Mm-hmm. So now instead of looking at that fool, that racist bastard that was spewing that nonsense towards Miss Rachel Richardson, instead of looking at right. that person, now we're right. looking at right. the right. university right. all looking at you. of a dereliction yep. of duty that you put forth because you couldn't find it in yourself to address it immediately. Now it, and now we ask the question, well why, what took you so long? What was the hesitancy about? Did you, were you fearful of a reprimand? Were you fearful of a backlash if you had decided as a human being to do the right thing and protect this young lady and to make sure she wasn't subjected to this for a longer period of time? What was going on? What was the hesitancy about? And since we are talking about BYU, now we are looking at every university.
1: Every university. Yep. We're looking at everybody. I've seen a lot of great acting scenes. One of my all-time favorites is in the movie Scarface. Al Pacino as Tony Montana. It's the whole dinner scene. Uh, there goes the bad guy. It, you know, Al Pacino's walking out of the restaurant. You know, it, it's one of the greatest. You got to watch it from the beginning when he starts talking to his wife, and then by the time he leaves, and I think it's Manny or somebody's helping him out of the restaurant, it's one of the greatest scenes. Stephen A just topped it. That was a virtuoso uh, acting performance, and it continued. I wanna play a second Stephen A clip where he's just so outraged about a volleyball player allegedly hearing racial taunts that Stephen A Smith hasn't heard, there's been no documented proof of it, but Stephen A's performance continued. You're listening to brothers now and
0: sisters who looked at one of our little sisters and said, who the hell do y'all think y'all are? What the hell do y'all think y'all doing? Now I wanna make sure that I'm clear. We're not castigating, We're we're not demonizing white people. We're not literally painting with a broad brush. There's a lot of God-fearing, decent white folks out there. And for those of you who are white, who would never do something like this, we're not talking about you. So don't personalize it and come to the defense because you're white and three black men on TV, and we're talking about what happened to our little sister here. Don't think we're talking about you because that's a mistake folks in white America make. They make the mistake of thinking you're talking about them when you're talking about some fool who shares their ethnicity, their pigmentation, their culture, and you're saying that's all y'all. That's not what we're saying. So don't embrace it that way. If we ain't talk, if you wouldn't do something like that and we ain't talking about you, this ain't applicable Not talking to you. To you. But for those yep. who would do that, who think like that and have no problem with how that person was acting towards Rachel Richardson,
1: check yourself. it's unbelievable lebron james stephen a smith and ben crumb ignored the murder of mike hickman in front of his nine-year-old son and wife hickman's coaching peer stated on the record that former nfl pro bowler Akib talib sparked the confrontation that led to talib's brother shooting mike hickman alleged racial taunts at a volleyball match are more worthy of discussion than the murder of a father, husband, and former college football player at a pee-wee football game. In what world? How? This is the racial Me Too movement, and they're expecting us to believe all women because women are allegedly incapable of exaggerating or lying for attention. Rachel Richardson and Lessa Pamplin descended from the heavens to right the wrongs of white men. They're descendants from the great Amazon warrior tribe of Dahomey Africa, their modern day woman kings. The spiritual sisters of Daenerys Targaryen and Arya Stark of the Game of Thrones. 60 years ago, the Racial Grievance Industrial Complex married the Feminist Grievance Industrial Complex. Rachel Richardson is their love child. Wednesday. John Gruden, back in the news, back talking publicly. I connected the John Gruden thing to the reporting that was finally going on about the BYU situation and Rachel Richardson. Uh, There's just a, there's not enough, there's not enough supply of racism. And so we're fabricating racism to meet the demand. Here's my fire starter. John Gruden, the former Raiders coach former Monday Night Football broadcaster, uh, Super Bowl champion coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm going to connect it to John Gruden. He spoke yesterday at an Arkansas touchdown club, Arkansas Razorback football touchdown club deal, and he spoke for the first time uh, yesterday publicly about the events that led to him getting dismissed as the Raiders coach despite having a 10-year, $100 million contract. Uh, If you guys remember, we've talked about it extensively on this show, Uh, John Gruden and the emails where he talked about DeMora Smith's uh, big rubbery lips, which DeMora Smith has. Uh, That was all spun out at all. Boy, that was horribly racist. This is in a private email years ago when he was a Monday night football broadcaster. He lost his job over private emails and things like that. He talked yesterday and it was captured on tape. We Uh, found the tape, but ESPN uh, wrote a story about Uh, his his conversation yesterday at the Arkansas Razorback Club so I want to read a little bit from this ESPN story uh, before we show you exactly what John Gruden said former Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden for the first time publicly addressed the email controversy that cost him his job last October Gruden who filed a lawsuit against the NFL last year legend the league singled him out spoke on Tuesday at the Little Rock Touchdown Club in Arkansas saying he was going to be honest with the gathering blah 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 then they go on to describe Gruden's emails, which contain racist, anti-gay and misogynistic language, first came to light in a Wall Street Journal article in October on October the 8th. And so they don't provide the proof of what he said, the racist, anti-gay and misogynistic. I'll give you what their proof, what they're hanging their hat on is not in this article, uh, but it's basically. He's racist because in a private email to a friend of his, Bruce Allen, he said DeMora Smith has rubber lips. Now, I'm just saying, if you go through my private emails, you go through my text messages, if someone's listening to my phone conversations, rubber lips might be the most innocent thing that I say on any (laughs) given day, on any given day. So that's one the anti-gay sentiment in a private email. He used the F word F A G G O T. He used that word. If you went into my past, I can't say it's in the last decade. I, I don't know when's the last time I've used that word. But if you went into my past, oh, that word is littered all over my past, from kids all the way through adulthood to moments of frustration, pissed off at someone or, or whatever. That's littered. all. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've never been a perfect person. Now, again, in these modern times, have I moved away from that word? Absolutely. But in my past, just like John Gruden's past, that word, and most of you, most of you, and many of the people that want to portray John Gruden as one of the worst people on the human in the, on the planet, that word is part of your past as well, most of you. Because we used to use it kind of commonplace and it was no big deal. But that's their justification for he's anti-gay. Misogynistic, I believe it to the best of my ability. What they're saying he's why he's misogynistic, he's Anti woman, or whatever, is because he said that Roger Goodell was an anti football P U S <laughs> S Y. Now, and I'm just going to tell you this week, this week, probably within the last 48 hours, I've used that word in text. Uh, perhaps in conversation. I'm just speculating. I don't know exactly when, but I've used that. I have not eliminated that word from my vocabulary. And most of the men that I know have not eliminated that word from their vocabulary. And we tend to use it. If we think somebody's soft, if we think somebody's not masculine, we call them that word. Most of my friends. My friends are good people. I'm a good person. I'm flawed, but I'm a good person. And so that's the the allegations and the charges. He said DeMora Smith has big rubbery lips. We know that's a factual statement. That's a Royce. I'll just say this. If you get caught somewhere in email saying uh, Jason Woodlock has man boobs, you shouldn't lose your job over that. It's just a fact. Thank you. I do. You. you can say if you are caught somewhere saying that I'm fat, it's a fact. You can say that. Uh, and so DeMora Smith, I'm sorry. And again, I, I've talked about this extensively on this show. Big lips are in style. Everybody wants them. White women pay good money to get them injected into their mouth, into their mouths. I've never had a woman complain about my big lips. Never. I don't know anybody. And again, the anybody complaining about having big lips, I may call them the P-U-S-S-Y word in private, in conversation with my friends. I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying this belligerently. I'm just telling you who I am and what I'm capable of. And if that means, oh, that person can't have a job, no one in the NFL, no coach in the NFL. Maybe Tony Dungy may be the only one that would still be qualified to coach in the NFL. The rest of them are just like John Gruden, whether they're black, white, or whatever. They fired John Gruden for being a man. That's what he got fired for. And ESPN and everybody else running around acting like, oh my God, this is one of the worst humans on the planet. Get the heck out of here. It's a scam. But anyway, John Gruden spoke first uh, first time publicly. We wanna play a couple of these clips. Uh, obviously, I'm on team John Gruden. I gotta say this first clip we're gonna play, I, I really don't like it, because he's, he's not being defiant enough. He's copping uh, to the crime that he did something wrong in his emails. I disagree with that, but here's what John Gruden had to say: uh, owning his mistake. I'm ashamed about uh, what has uh, come about in these emails,
3: and I'll make no uh, excuses for it. It's just, it's, it's shameful. But uh, I am a good person. I believe that. I, I'm, I, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes. But I don't think anybody else in here hasn't. Uh, and I just ask for forgiveness and hopefully I get another shot.
1: Did you hear the qualifications he laid out for why he's a good person? They're qualifications I believe in. I go to church, I've been married for 31 years and I've raised three sons who are good people and love me. I'm just, th- that trumps to me, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years, which is one of God's greatest covenants and directions. And I've raised these three boys who are good kids. And me and my wife are still together and our kids have done well. This man has committed to a church, committed to a woman and committed to a family. And I'm supposed to hate this guy because in a private email, he said, the more Smith had big lips and used the F word and called Roger Goodell, P-U-S-S-Y. I'm supposed to hate him when I got these three qualifications. You know how hard it is to pull off a, a successful marriage for 31 years with three kids while coaching football? Almost impossible. It's... In today's world. Yeah. And so... Ah, th- this is... But again, we, we the demand for racism far, out, uh, far exceeds the uh, supply of racism. So we frame John Gruden as a racist because DeMora Smith has big lips and he's insecure about his big lips. Uh, And that's because DeMora Smith's virtually a midget and has no business running uh, the NFL Players Association. Uh, John Gruden then went on uh, (laughs) to really uh, hit a home run with me. Uh, He trashes ESPN, his former employee. Take a listen. Employee There's a lot
3: of misunderstanding out there right now. What you read, what you hear, what you watch on TV. Hell, I worked at ESPN for nine years. I worked hard at that job. I don't even want to watch the channel anymore uh, because I don't believe everything is true. Uh, and I know a lot of it is, is just trying to get people to watch. But I think we got to get back to reality, and that's why I look forward to Saturdays because you're going to get what you deserve when the whistle blows, and we'll see if the Razorbacks can get after Cincinnati, which I hope they do. Yeah, as a matter of fact,
1: love it. That that took some courage. He's in the crosshairs of the mainstream media. He goes directly at ESPN, calls them fake news. Trashes them. He knows that that's going to provoke ESPN to go to war with him. But but he's sitting there saying, like, hey, man, I was a great employee for you guys for nearly a decade. And y'all just let me get sabotaged and destroyed my reputation and run out of a job without anybody offering me a fair defense on ESPN. I work with all of you people. You all know me. You all know the content of my character. None of you man enough or have enough integrity to defend me in my moment of need, none of them. And so he's turned off yet. Yeah, I love it. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy.
0: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said See Ryan
0: Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Turn
2: to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
1: Thursday, we talked about Serena Williams and whether or not she belongs on the Mount Rushmore of all-time great athletes, and I had the provocative opinion, Serena Williams, she ain't even the greatest female tennis player. Take a listen. Serena Williams is not the greatest tennis player, not the greatest female tennis player of all time. No, she's not. Uh, She won an exciting uh, match last night in the US Open, uh, knocking off the number two, I think, seed. And that is great. I believe that will be her last hurrah. But even if she wins this US Open, Serena Williams is not the GOAT of female tennis. There's a conversation being had, promoted by people. Does she belong on the Mount Rushmore of all-time great athletes, of American athletes? No. She doesn't. Uh, Steve Kim and I are going to talk about this here in a second, but I just want to give you the foundation of my beliefs here as it relates to Serena Williams. Uh, She's a tremendous, tremendous athlete, a tremendous story. I love the movie her and Venus put out about her dad. Uh, Love it all. Serena Williams is great, but the greatest of all time as a female tennis? No, wasn't available enough. Availability is the greatest ability, and Serena Williams was not available enough. She's won 23 major championships. That's one behind Margaret Court. People are hoping that she wins this US Open and gets to 24, and now she's called Margaret Court, and now they can argue, oh my God, she's the greatest athlete of all time. She belongs on the Mount Rushmore. People are making that argument. No. I'm gonna, here's who's on the Mount Rushmore of sports. Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Tom Brady, Babe Ruth. That is your Mount Rushmore. I know Jalen Rose says it's racist for me to say Mount Rushmore. Screw Jalen Rose. That's the Mount Rushmore of sports. We're still using that. I don't have a problem with Thomas Jefferson, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, or who's is it John Adams or is it Ben Franklin? Yeah, I can't remember who the fourth guy is. Uh, <laughs> George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. Anyway, I got no problem with those guys. I got no problem with the term Mount Rushmore. That is your Mount Rushmore. Here's an honorable mention list for that Mount Rushmore. I put Carl Lewis, Joe Lewis, Jesse Owens, Jim Brown, Barry Bonds, Jack Nicklaus. That's my honorable mention for the Mount Rushmore sports. She don't make that the Mount Rushmore just during Serena's era of greatness. The Mount Rushmore during the Serena, Serena Williams is 40. Her contemporaries are people like LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, and Floyd Mayweather. That's the Mount Rushmore of her era. She doesn't make that. Here's my honorable mention list for that list of her era. Kobe Bryant, Roger Federer, Peyton Manning. Screw me. I might put Serena on that honorable mention list. Might, but I won't because she's not the greatest tennis player, female tennis player of all time. Here is my female Mount Rushmore. Uh, And again, I know everybody, Whitlock's a sexist pig and, and he's terrible and he just don't like Serena Williams. Serena Williams is fine, but I'm going to tell you why she's not the greatest tennis player, female tennis player of all time. But here's my Mal Rushmore for female athletes. Jackie joyner Kersey, Chris Everett, Serena Williams, and Martina Navratilova. It's a nice little list. Great female athletes. But female sports have not matured to the point where any of those women rank with the guys. You give guys a 75-year head start, Women haven't caught up yet. It doesn't matter how much Title IX steroids they put, put on the deal. It just doesn't add up. As it relates to women's tennis, and why I say Serena Williams is not the greatest tennis player of all time, wait, women's tennis player. When it comes to singles titles, this is just Titles one in women's tennis. Listen to this list. Margaret Court. 192 victories, Martina Navratilova 167, Chris Everett, 157, Billie Jean King 129, Steffi Graf 107, Yvonne Gulagong, I think that's her name, 86, Suzanne Lenglen 81, and then at number eight, Serena Williams 73. This goes to availability. Availability is the greatest ability. She ain't play enough, and and. Not She chose to have a well-rounded life. God bless her. Hats off to her. It was the smart thing to do. I'm not knocking that. But don't come tell me that you're the greatest of all time when you don't have half as many titles, as many victories, as Martina Navratilova. She's got 167. Serena has 73. That's not half. Margaret Court who I really don't count, she played in an era. But again, she's got the most major title, 192. Chris Everett has twice as many as Serena. When it comes to finals appearances, listen to this list. Martina Navratilova, 239. Margaret Court, 233. Chris Everett, 226. Billie Jean King, 189. Steffi Graf, 136. Yvonne Goudigan, 119. Serena Williams. 98. Hey, man, when you start talking about the greatest of all time, it's about accomplishments and the accomplished. It can't just be reduced to major titles. When we when we start, if you want to get a debate about Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus and all that. It's going to be a legitimate debate. Tiger's going to have less major titles, but I think he has more victories than everybody except for. Why am I forgetting, Ben Hogan maybe? But Tiger's got 82, once he gets 83, I think he's got the most. But that will be Tiger's argument. I got more victories. He was available and winning, and won at the highest level in all the tournaments. He has an argument. Serena not available, I'm just sorry. And availability matters. It's the greatest ability. You listen to any coach, anybody that understands sports, it matters. So uh, Serena benefits from this woke era of sports media coverage over the last two decades. The fact that she's black puts her on steroids and distorts the entire argument. Serena probably, you know, if I really wanted to be technical and if I really just wanted to argue with you all, I'd have put Steffi Graff ahead of Serena as well. And there's a legitimate case. I think Steffi Graff has 22 majors. Serena has 23 uh, but Serena gets all these extra credit points because she's overcome racism, uh, according to everybody. And look, did she face some discrimination? Probably. Yes. Did people yell things at her? Yes. But who? Yeah, people yelling at you and being a heel and people not like that's spinach for athletes. That's that's extra motivation for athletes. Serena had an enormous athletic advantage over everybody she played against, including her sister, Venus. Serena hit the genetics lottery, not trying to denigrate her, just speaking factually, she hit the genetics lottery. She looks like Earl Campbell. I mean, are are we watching her in this fight? She looks like Earl Campbell out there. Not trying to denigrate her, just speaking factually, she's got a genetic talent advantage over everybody she played, including her sister, Venus. That talent allowed her to mail it in a lot of times and still win. Not available enough. And I know people, oh, like, doesn't like Serena Williams. I don't dislike Serena Williams. I'm just one of the few people that will speak factually on Serena Williams. Everybody else is scared. They don't want to be called sexist. They don't want to be called racist. She's she's ascended into that special place in American society where anybody says anything that she can crip walk at Wimbledon. She can crip walk at Wimbledon. And if anybody says a word about it, they're racist. Now her s- sister, was killed by gangbangers. But she can crip walk at Wimbledon and if you say anything bad about it, if you say it's not classy, if you say it's inappropriate, it's because you're racist. She's lived in that protected space. She's lived that life of privilege and that life of privilege is why everybody's running around, oh, she's the greatest of all time. She belongs in around much more. She's better than LeBron James. She's better than this person or that person. And she's, she belongs on round. take Babe Ruth off, take Barry Bonds off, take, take some man off and put Serena on. And it's only because she lives in that protected, privileged space of being a woman and a black woman in this era in America. If you actually go look at the accomplishments, she ain't in the conversation for GOAT. For tennis, she ain't in that conversation. And damn sure, sports all time, she's not in that conversation. Friday, we ended it talking about Joe Biden doing a Adolf Hitler impersonation, uh, dividing the country, demonizing Trump supporters, and standing and looking like he's speaking from the pits of hell. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are not hiding their agenda. It is satanic. You can't ignore it. They don't want you to ignore it. They want you to see it. You gotta have blinders on if you can't see it. Angry Joe Biden. Angry Joe. Angry bird. Angry, uh, I, I, last night was bizarre. Not just the officiating at Ball State Tennessee game. Joe Biden was even more bizarre than the officiating we witnessed last night. And, and I say the Joe Biden deal in all seriousness, a little bit tongue in cheek about the Ball State Tennessee game. Uh, Guys, if you've watched this show, if you've listened to this show, if you listen to the consistent message that I keep trying to give on this show, we're in a war of good versus evil. And the evil side is very, very comfortable demonizing the other side, what I call the good side. And, and I'm sorry if I have to take a side on this. If I have to choose between MAGA Republicans and the other side that Joe Biden is leading, I have no choice but to choose MAGA Republicans. I'm sorry. This whole little, char- oh, they're all racist. I'm just, I'm not buying that. Joe Biden, if, if the standard of being racist is what MAGA Republicans are, uh, supposedly are. Joe Biden exceeds those standards by leaps and bounds, but no one calls him racist because he's a Democrat. No one wants to point out the wickedness of Joe Biden. This man, that thing last night, there's a picture of Joe Biden angry and pumping his fists in this red background. This whole thing last night looked satanic. This is a guy who said he was going to bring America together. He was going to be this unifying force. You think last night is what unity sounds like? You think that picture there, we can unify under? And and again, this is on purpose. He looks like that and was framed up that way with two Marines standing behind him, looking like he's in the gates, standing in the gates of hell. That's not an accident. They're telegraphing. They're hiding in plain sight what they're doing. And y'all just think y'all look at, oh, look at this old man, and Joe Biden doesn't know what he's doing, and and this this is just some accident. It's not an accident. We're going to break down the early parts of his 24 minute speech. And 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 it paints a very clear picture of what his agenda is to say anybody that disagrees with him they're the worst people on the planet and they must be eliminated from America. And that's like 75 million people. We've never heard a US president talk this way about this larger group of Americans. They're all evil, they're terrible, they're violent. They're, they're the worst people on the planet. 75 million Americans, half of America or half of the vote because again those 75 million they got kids and all, all of that I'm just, the people that voted for Trump. they got kids and we're talking about half of America that this president is saying is evil and worthless and a threat to democracy. Donald Trump, never talk this way about Democrats. It did not happen. Did he go after the fake news? Absolutely. Does the media deserve the, the, the vitriol that Trump leveled at them? Absolutely. They're lying and they're the enemy of the people. Absolutely. But half of America, everybody that voted against him, everybody that supports his opponent is a threat to democracy they're not hiding anymore what their agenda is. Everybody that voted for Trump is evil and worthy of being killed, locked up or removed from this country. And Republicans want to play nice with these people. They don't want to talk about what the other side is. We're going to talk about it today. The other side, you get tired of hearing me say it, some of you do. It's satanic, and they're telling you, they're not hiding it. This man spoke from the pits of hell last night, intentionally. This is a satanic movement. I want to uh, start with something that uh, I pointed out over Twitter. this, this, Justin, stick with me, this isn't in order, I'm gonna unpack Uh, I think the, 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 I want the one where he says that, uh, oh, maybe it is the first one. Yes, it's the first. The first clip that I asked for, MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. I want to start there. Let's play that one. MAGA forces are determined to take this country
3: backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders, and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they at them as patriots.
1: <clears throat> so any of you that have a biblical worldview knows that at the root of Satan is dishonesty and lies. Satan is a liar. That's a fact. Any of you with a biblical worldview, any spiritual worldview, Satan is a liar. So Joe Biden just unpacked a lie at the very end in terms of, And this is early in his speech that the insurrectionists put a knife at the throat of our democracy. That's a lie. That's an. Un, there's nobody with a brain that feels like or believes legitimately that what happened on January 6th was a knife at the throat of democracy. They went back to work in the Capitol two or three hours after the alleged insurrection. One person got killed, and it was a little white woman named Ashley Babbitt, and she was a Trump supporter. She was shot in cold blood by a member of the Capitol Police. That's it. All of this, all of this combat with the police and all of it's just this brutality towards police. Stop it. It's a lie and exaggeration. Anybody that watches the tape knows it. Anybody that know these policemen that the handful of policemen they've sent on TV to lie and exaggerate about, Oh my God, what I went through and all the hand to hand combat. This was worse than war. That's a lie and an exaggeration. There was no insurrection. There was a group of idiots that went to the Capitol, got baited by FBI people into entering the Capitol and acting like bigger idiots. They weren't they weren't there to kidnap and lynch and kill Mike Pence with zip ties. They weren't armed. So he's lying. But worse than that, worse than that, he's putting this he has defined freedom as, and again, this MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose. And so when he says right to choose, he's talking about abortion. There is no abortion, is what he's exaggerating in line. That's a state's issue, no one's taking abortion away, but that's a state's issue. But his point is that, oh my God, we must defend abortion, that's his point. No right to privacy, NSA, they're, they're the surveillance state, they're, they're doing that. But then no contraception, no right to contraception. That's talking about sexual promiscuity. And that's, oh my God, they, they, they don't want you to have birth control and things like that. Uh, that's not true. That's for one, that's not on the table. No one's talking about taking away contraceptive rights. So that's a lie and exaggeration. But even if it's not, again, I, I'm going to tie this all together, a nice little bow and a tie. But basically, he's talking, freedom in Joe Biden's mind is about the freedom to do whatever you want to do sexually. And we must protect contraceptive rights so we can be as promiscuous and as irresponsible with sex as we possibly can be. So, so far, he's talking about abortion, privacy. I'm going to give him that one sexual promiscuity, and then no right to marry who you love. And so we know what he's talking about there, same-sex marriage. That's what he's talking So Joe Biden just stood up and, oh, we'll be taking America backwards if we don't have abortion on demand federally mandated. We'll be taking America backwards if we don't have consequence-free Uh, sex, uh, as much as we want. We'll be taking America backwards if, uh, two men, two women can't marry each other. He's laid out the agenda. And so basically Joe Biden, who claims to be a Catholic, who claims to have a Christian faith, who in his speech last night talked about being an image bearer of God or made in God's image. He's pretending to have some religious faith, but his message is he defines freedom and, and how America's being destroyed by the MAGA movement. All has to do with things that are in, in objection to a biblical worldview and biblical values. The man is basically arguing you can't have freedom in America if we stick to biblical values. And, and I don't have a problem if he wants to make that argument. Just quit claiming to be a Christian. Quit claiming to be a Catholic. Quit claiming and pretending like God has anything to do with your agenda. It doesn't, you can't stand in front of the world in front of America and say, Oh my God, they don't want to take our abortion rights away. They want to take away our ability to be sexually promiscuous. Oh, they want to take away our rights to marry two men with each other. Just say you're a secular humanist and be done with it. Quit pretending to be a Christian. And again, I got to give him credit. This man is standing in the fiery pits of hell with this whole thing lit up to look like he's Satan or Adolf Hitler standing in hell. It's all lit up. He's telling you, uh, the Antichrist, here I am. I'm here representing the new world order. I'm here representing a secular worldview. If you can't see it, it's because you're blind. You can look at the picture and look what comes out of his mouth. None of it is attached to God. All right, that's it. And that's all for us. Uh, Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. If you're on Apple or Spotify, hit the like subscription button. Join the fearless army and get the new fearless army swag and gear. All right, we'll see you uh, on Wednesday. Have a great Labor Day weekend.